Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, fresh off my New Year quarantine and ready to really put my co-host Ellen's editing skills to the test by seeing how well she can cut out all my residual COVID coughing. Apparently, I'm just not allowed to make you laugh this episode. You ready for some fun then, Ellen? This is going to have to be a very serious episode. We're very serious. Very serious. Super serious. Super serious. Anyway, let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we wrapped up Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire with the differences between the UK and US versions of the book. And we shared our favorite moments from all of the episodes covering the story, where Frank Bryce had zero common sense. Dudley Dursley received his just desserts courtesy of the twins. Archie enjoyed airing out his undercarriage. The Quidditch World Cup was deemed unnecessary by the movie, much to the chagrin of all Magic Sportsball fans. Harry's horrendously horrid hairy hair was a crime against quaffs. Vila's really know how to kill a boner. The murder munchers munched on murder. Rita was a garbage. Victor didn't know how to read and was desperate to hire Hermione and her eyebrows for some private tutoring. Wink, wink. Winky was even more of a messy drunk than the Bobaton horses. Dumbledore said calmly. Dobby was the most stylish little bastard in the entire wizarding world. Ron tried to start the worst game of telephone just to avoid apologizing. Snape was the biggest cock block of the Yule Ball. Karkaroff was a red herring with a yellow belly. Madame Maxime enjoyed Hagrid's beard snacks. Movie Cedric was kind of a jerk, but redeemed himself just in time to be turned into Dedrick. Lucius surprised no one by being unmasked as a murder muncher. Voldemuppet was both adorable and terrifying at the exact same time. Crazy David Tennant takes acting lessons from Crazy Gary Oldman. And since it can never be said enough when talking about this movie, Newell! During episode 116, Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes, our Potter pondering was, what are some of your favorite moments covering the second half of Goblet of Fire, either from our podcast or the book and film in general? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter pondering. So excited to be starting Order of the Phoenix this week. Yay! I do have favorite moments from the Goblet of Fire. Even though I did realize that last week those moments were from this half of the book. But it's cool. It's cool. I have more favorite moments. I love the whole thing. From the podcast, one of my favorite things is when you guys fight about puns. (laughs) When Katie pretends she hates puns and then puns. (laughs) I had a big fit of giggles when Ellen did like eight puns in a row over that egg (laughs) really hilarious and i love katie's southern accent it must another one of my favorite parts but you also know 
that in the book when Harry gives the twins that money is also one of my favorite parts. Jesus, it just, uh, I don't know, I like it so much. But thank you guys for making this podcast for us. It feeds my grown-up Potter cravings every week. I love you guys. Or the Phoenix. G'day, guys. It's Jackson. So my favorite moments were part two of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Favorite moments of the podcast? Definitely the puns. The puns were absolutely the best. The episode titles... Uh, Professor's Pretty Petty, Beat a Beetle Reader, <laughs> and of course the Wahoos! <laughs> Favourite moments from the book, Sassy Harry. This is when we really start to see some Sassy Harry. The moments between Harry and Sirius were really good. I loved when Molly got told by Harry to not listen to Rita Skeeter. I also love the way Dumbledore took care of everything. His eulogy for Cedric, the confidence he had in Harry was really great. Hermione was right. Dumbledore loved Harry. He really did. Favourite moments from movies? Oh, the movie was great. You know, the, you, you obviously had the moments, the stuff that, the book, that it was left out from the book or changed, but, you know... Aside from that, the movie itself was great. So that's my pondering. Hey, guys, it's Sarah with my Potter pondering. I absolutely loved the whole garbage segment of the second half of Goblet of Fire. I thought that was hysterical. I nearly drove off the road when you all said that. And I also loved the part where you guys talked about Dobby is not knowing you. Dobby is asking you to fuck off. Sir, that was another one of my favorite parts. I just thought it was hysterical, and I could totally hear Dobby saying that. So, of course, I love every single episode, but those are two of my favorite highlights of the second half of the book. Thanks. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, where does Harry hide at Privet Drive to listen to the news without his aunt and uncle knowing? Harry hides in the flower bed under the open window at number four, Privet Drive. Congratulations goes to Dave Garza. Wahoo! Oh man, it's so nice to have your wahoo back. It's nice to have my wahoo back. And it's nice to see your wahoos again. <laughs> I know you missed them. I did. I missed you. <laughs> but now that Katie is back, our guest hosts can start answering the trivia questions again, too. So anyone can answer it this week. I wonder who it'll be. We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the first half of Chapter 1, Dudley Demented, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Because why would there be? Why would there be? Chapter 1. Dudley Demented, Part 1. The hottest day of summer is coming to a close, and due to drought, a ban has been placed on the use of hose pipes, leaving the once green lawns yellow and usually gleaming cars dusty. Everyone is inside to escape the heat, except for one skinny, black-haired, bespectacled teenage boy, who is lying flat on his back in a flower bed outside number four. He appears to have grown a lot in a short amount of time and is wearing dirty torn jeans, a baggy faded t-shirt, and worn out trainers. 
His appearance does not endear him to the neighbors, but he is currently well hidden from view and quite proud of his hiding spot. Though it isn't very comfortable, he at least doesn't have to deal with his aunt and uncle glaring at him or shooting nasty questions at him while he tries to watch the news. Right as Harry thinks this, he hears his uncle comment on how the boy has stopped trying to butt in, as he wonders where he is. Petunia says she doesn't know, but he's not in the house. Vernon grunts and rants about Harry saying he's watching the news, wondering what he's really up to since a normal boy would never care about the news and there wouldn't be anything about his lot on it anyway. Petunia shushes him since the window is open and the Dursleys fall silent. Harry listens to a commercial as he watches his batty, cat-loving neighbor Mrs. Fig amble past, pleased that she can't see him since she's taken to asking him around for tea whenever she does. He then hears his uncle ask if Dudders is out for tea, and Petunia confirms this, saying he's at the Polkases and is so popular. Harry manages to suppress a snort over how stupid the Dursleys were about their son, who was spending every evening vandalizing the park, smoking on street corners, and throwing stones at passing cars and children. The music begins playing for the 7 o'clock news, and Harry's stomach turns over as he wonders if, after a month of waiting, tonight is the night. But as he listens to the evening's report, he knows that nothing has happened yet. He lets out a long breath, feeling temporary relief, that builds right back up to tension as he wonders why nothing has happened yet. He rolls onto his front to prepare to crawl out from under the window, but has barely inched forward when he hears a loud echoing crack, like a gunshot. A cat streaks out from under a parked car, someone shrieks, someone yells, and the sound of breaking china is heard as Harry pulls out his wand, jumps to his feet, and hits his head on the Dursley's open window. Petunia screams again, and Vernon grabs Harry around the throat and snarls at him to put it away. Harry gasps for him to let go and feels a pain in his scar as Uncle Vernon yelps and releases him, as if an electric shock made Harry impossible to hold. He falls forward and stuffs his wand away, trying to look innocent as several faces peer out of nearby windows. Vernon waves at one of the neighbors and asks if she heard the car backfire and maniacally grins until all of the neighbors leave their windows. He then turns on Harry and grimaces as he asks what the devil he meant by it. Harry explains that he didn't make the noise, and his Aunt Petunia wants to know why he was lurking under their window. Harry sighs and explains he was listening to the news, and an outraged Vernon questions why he's listening to the news again. Harry explains that it changes every day, and an even more upset Uncle Vernon tells him not to be clever with him. He wants to know what he's really up to since he knows perfectly well that his lot is not on their news. Harry tells his uncle that's all he knows, and after a few seconds of goggling, Petunia calls him a nasty little liar and asks what those owls are doing if they're not bringing him news. Harry insists they aren't bringing him news, but his aunt and uncle don't believe him. Vernon saying they aren't stupid. Harry loses his temper, exclaims that's news to him, and turns to walk away up the street before they can call him back. He knows he's in trouble and will pay for that later, but for the moment he has much more pressing matters to think about. He's sure that the cracking sound had been made by someone apparating or disapparating. It's the exact sound Dobby the house elf made when he vanished into thin air, 
and he wonders if Dobby could be following him. Harry looks around, seeing nothing, and is sure that Dobby can't become invisible. He continues walking, every now and then glancing over his shoulder, and begins to doubt the sound had even been something magical, sinking back into the hopelessness that has been plaguing him all summer. He knows he will wake up tomorrow at 5 a.m. to pay the owl that delivers the daily profit, but now doubts there's any point in receiving it, as Voldemort's return has yet to be mentioned. He will also likely get letters from his friends, Ron and Hermione, but those will be full of more non-information about how they can't say much and are quite busy, but they will fill him in when they see him. Harry has no idea when he will actually see his friends, and can tell from their letters that they are together, likely at the burrow. This makes him very angry at them, and he wonders why they're busy and he's not. Hadn't he proven himself capable with all that he'd done? He was the one who entered that graveyard and saw Cedric be murdered. Harry tries to stop this line of thinking since he already revisits the graveyard in his nightmares. He turns a corner into Magnolia Crescent and passes the narrow alleyway where he first saw his godfather. Sirius at least seems to understand how frustrated Harry is feeling and sends along letters with words of caution and consolation, even if also no news. Harry has largely abided by Sirius's advice, having at least resisted the temptation to tie his trunk to his broomstick and fly off for the burrow himself. He feels as though he's been extremely good and finds it quite galling to be told not to be rash by a man who served 12 years in the wizard prison Azkaban, then escaped to commit the murder he had been convicted for in the first place and gone on the run with the stolen hippogriff. He vaults over the locked park gate and treks across the parched grass. He sinks onto one of the swings and stares moodily at the ground. He has to find a new place to hide to listen to the news and is not looking forward to another restless, disturbed night filled with nightmares about Cedric and unsettling dreams about long, dark corridors ending in dead ends and locked doors. His scar prickles uncomfortably, but Harry doesn't fool himself into thinking that it will interest anyone. Since Voldemort is back, regular irritation is only to be expected. He's so upset he wants to yell with fury. No one would even know Voldemort was back if it weren't for him, and his reward is to be stuck in Little Whinging for four solid weeks, cut off from everything. He doesn't understand how Dumbledore could have forgotten him so easily, and why Ron and Hermione are together without him. He wants to know how much longer he has to behave himself, and sits on the swing with his furious thoughts whirling around in his head. Since there are no movie scenes that actually cover any of this information in the first half of the book chapter, we're just going to discuss what it was that was left out and why we think that is. And some of it, I think, is understandable Mm -hmm. because it does recap a little bit. It's a bit of a trip to the Department of Backstory. But it's also some new information and setup that we just did not get in the movie. Yeah. Which you would think would be quite helpful. You would think. Apparently not if you're the screenwriter. Apparently not. (laughs) It was actually really interesting when I went through to organize the movie to each book chapter. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot left out. Yeah. There's even a lot done in different places. Yeah. Like, this is not the Order of the Phoenix. This is the disorder of the Phoenix. Facts. Big facts. 
and that right there kind of sums up the whole series we could just rename the book basically or the movie in this case (laughs) well yes (laughs) we could rename this year of podcasting (laughs) it's probably gonna be more than a year too because this one's longer than goblet of fire and it did take us almost exactly a year to do that very true and a lot of the chapters are longer yes they cover more we're like talking about the movie bam chapter number one split in half yeah (laughs) at least goblet let us like work into it right it was like no right off the bat boom this was a long book summary split that bitch split that bitch and none of this the whole first half Mm -hmm. none of it was included the movie doesn't jump in until for us next week now (laughs) but it doesn't jump in until after all of this which starts off on the hottest day of summer coming to a close Mm -hmm. and we will get the gist that it's still hot in the movie as well but yeah not in the same way we learn nothing about the ban on hose pipes nope we will get to see a lots of yellow lawns true some dead grass dead grass aplenty dead grass aplenty but there was absolutely nothing about harry trying to watch the news himself Mm-mm. no not at all and i think this was important number one the fact that he has to hide to watch the news yes really gives you a good gist of just how much his aunt and uncle are satchels of assholes to the point that they wouldn't even let him watch the news outright right (laughs) just out in the open watching the news why are you watching news normal people don't care about news not normal people normal kids don't care about news yeah and the fact that harry can't even be like well voldemort's back Mm -hmm. i'm trying to find out how far spread that is yet if it starts showing up on your news we know we have a problem yeah but he can't just say that to them because they're satchels of assholes they are giant satchels of assholes and they will lose their damn minds and harry's already ready to lose his damn mind i'm not sure harry has much mind left at this point well i wouldn't i mean all things considered but it does lead to some amazing harry sass it does none of which really made it into the movie and we're obviously gonna have to talk about this more next week when the movie actually starts up Mm -hmm. but there's just some beautiful beautiful moments that we're about to discuss and i can't believe we were deprived honestly daniel radcliffe they did you dirty they did they did him dirty they did him dirty they did us dirty yeah he could have nailed it He's so good at sass. He's so good at sass. He is amazing at sass. And sass is Harry's middle name in Order of the Phoenix. That and Caps Lock. Yeah. Caps Lock, sassy Harry. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so he can't watch the news. Nope. Just as normal. I mean, there does seem to be something kind of idyllic about laying in a flower bed just on your own listening to the news. Maybe not idyllic because of what you're trying to listen for. I feel like it smells pleasant. Yeah. He's well hidden from everything. It's got to be a little bit cooler Mm -hmm. with the shade. He's got the shade. You know, he can just chill. Like, you know how in the summer how the dirt is just nice and cool sometimes? Like, you kind of dig your toes in a little bit. It does specifically say that it's not that comfortable. Well. But it's still better than 
having his aunt and uncle just like gnashing their teeth at him like why are you trying to watch the news exactly what are you doing cowering in the doorway there boy and it's just funny because they literally had that conversation anyway even though harry's not there like he can hear through the open window they're like why does he keep trying to watch the news (laughs) you guys need to get a life right quit worrying about what i'm watching start worrying about what y'all aren't watching right how about that but yeah, so he is laying in the flower bed under the open window. Which was our trivia question. That it was. Mm-hmm. And when it officially starts at 7 o'clock with the music. da 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 News. <laughs> we should have a news show. <laughs> We'd be awesome. <laughs> it pretty much launches right into a kind of floppy story. Like you do. That's how you always have to start off the news. You save the gory shit for the end so people have to watch. Nope, nope. By the time they get to the end, they're talking about water skiing budgies. Well. Harry's starting to realize that nothing's really on the news. He's already listened to his aunt and uncle talk about him like he's not there because they don't know he is. Yeah, which they would say even if he were there, so. True story. And then he also hears... His uncle want to know if Dutters is out for tea. And Petunia's just like, oh, yes, he's with the Polkases. He's so popular. And Harry's just like, (laughs) awkward. Your kid's a dick. Yeah. And then we learned that his cousin is not going to tea every night with his little friends. Mm -hmm. He and his little friends, also known as his gang, have been spending the evenings vandalizing the park, smoking on street corners, and throwing stones at passing cars and children. You know, like you do. What fucking dicks? (laughs) Yeah. Is he still a backpack of assholes or is he upgrading? I mean, I think we can call him the duffel bag of assholes. Yeah, he might be a weekender bag. He's a a carry-on of assholes. He's a carry-on of assholes. (laughs) Yes, he can't be bag of assholes. That's his dad. He still has to be. Yeah. He's the messenger bag of assholes. The messenger bag of assholes. (laughs) And in this case, yes, you can kill the messenger. Yes. That's just really shitty. Yeah. I mean, it's bad enough throwing stones at cars and then you just throw in, like, and children. Right. Like, are you fucked in the head, kid? Yes. Jesus. But yeah, so the news starts. Nothing's on it. Like, that would happen sooner in this. And then by the time they get to the water skiing budgie, he's just like... He's checked out. This is not... Nothing happened. Once again, (laughs) you know, he's like all nervous. Is this going to be the night? Is this going to be the night where I finally find out that something's happening? And no water skiing budgies. Mm -hmm. Which you would think would be a relief. However, it's the Antissa... Say it! Patient. But yeah, it's the anticipation of when's it going to happen. He knows something's going to happen. Yeah. But he doesn't know when. And sometimes that's worse. Very true. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. And a lot of times that's worse. Not even just sometimes. A lot of times. Yeah. Harry's now convinced that nothing has happened and just rolls over with the intention of crawling out from behind his flower bed hiding spot But before he makes it too far, he hears this very loud crack. And it acts like a catalyst for him. Just 
he just goes into instant seeker mode and responds. And he jumps up, pulls his wand out, and hits his head on the window. Which my husband can tell you, standing up into things is the absolute worst. He's so good at that, though. He really is. It's a skill for him at this point. If I could find a way to capitalize on it, I would. But unfortunately, it's just hospital bills. Probably good for his brain cells that you can't, though. Probably. Because then you'd like encourage him to do it. That is true. That is true. However, it is definitely not good for Harry. No. So aside from sending Harry into instinctive reactions, it causes a cat to streak out from under a parked car, his aunt to shriek, his uncle to yell, and something breaks in the house. And we also then get another loud cracking sound, which is Harry's head hitting the window, Mm -hmm. which causes Petunia to scream again. And naturally, the bag of assholes overreacts. Of course. And just reaches out the window and grabs Harry by the fucking throat. Because it wasn't bad enough when he was grabbing a 10-year-old by the hair. No, now it is a 15-year-old by the throat. Yeah. So he's escalating because he's a bag of assholes. He is indeed. And he's like, what the devil do you mean by it, boy? As most child abusers do. Right. And Harry is like, let go of me, <laughs> like choking. <laughs> and obviously Vernon is not letting go until. Why would he? Harry gets this pain in his scar and it's like an electric shock goes through his body and Vernon has no choice but to release him. I would almost call that a new toy. Right? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's just an example of like accidental magic mm-hmm. saving his life there. And it makes me wonder if that kind of stuff registers on the trace as well. I mean, theoretically, it's supposed to. Yeah. But. Or do you have to specifically use your wand? Well, I guess Dobby didn't use a wand. So I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Maybe it has to be a certain level to count. Maybe. This could make a good pondering, too. We'll add this to our list. Yeah. Anyway, Vernon lets go of Harry and he falls back to the ground. Which kind of puts him back in a hiding spot so he has a chance to tuck his wand away and look very innocent because now neighbors are starting to look out their windows. And it's probably good that none of them seem to have seen Vernon strangling Harry. Probably. That's probably safest for Vernon. I mean, not safest for Harry, obviously. No, but but I kind of wish they had seen that. You know they probably do see it, but they turn the blind eye. Well, and we do learn in this section as well that all of the neighbors are, like, kind of scared of Harry still because they think that he's going to that St. Brutus's Mm -hmm. school for the incurably criminal boys. Yeah, so they probably think he's got to come in. They think he's just some big thug and that's how Vernon has to deal with him or something. Yeah. I wonder if that's how Dudley gets away with shit is he's just like, oh, that was Harry throwing rocks at kids. Could have been. You know? And then, of course, you've got bag of assholes that has to smooth everything over and look normal to the neighbors. And he's just like waves and was like, did you hear that car backfire just now? <laughs> it gave us quite a fright. Oh, my stars. Did oh, you my ever stars. hear that loud noise? And he just like waves and grins mm-hmm. until they finally leave the window, probably because they're like, this dude is crazy. We should probably try selling our houses now. Right. Dude is bringing down our home equity. Right. That's just say that but once the neighbors all leave the windows he turns back to harry and is ready to start the abuse up again and that's when he's specifically like what the devil did you mean by it Mm -hmm. 
And Harry's just like, mean by what? I didn't do anything. And they're like, well, then why are you outside our window? And he's just like, <sighs> here we go again. Listening to the news. <laughs> and then, oh, Brendan is listening to the news again. And the world's best response mm-hmm. ever. Well, it changes every day, you see. <laughs> Oh, sassy Harry, I love you so. Oh, we needed this line in the movie. We needed it. We needed it. How do you not give us this? I mean, honestly, it's mentioned later that he doesn't get any news, but it doesn't say anything about how he's trying to get the news. Right. Like he's trying to get muggle news. He's trying to get his hands on any news he can get. And it gives us no inclination of how hard he's working to get this news or how sassy his ass needs to be to get it to get it how clever how sassy and then oh my goodness because of lines like this this story especially and we're going to go back and check the previous ones as well but sassy harry really finds his own in this story he really does so we're going to start making a line of memes of things that should have been in the movies and this is the first one. So you'll see it on our Instagram and stuff soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because this should have been in the movies. Yeah. There's just so many that would have fit so perfectly. And this is just the start of it. Oh, my God. This book alone is a treasure trove of Sassy Harry. Right. But we've got tons to pick from in previous books as well. Yeah. And upcoming books. Exactly. Needless to say. But I just meant in this conversation, the, well, it changes every day you see is just the start of the sass for this conversation well that too yes because bag of assholes is just like don't you be clever with me i want to know what you're really up to because you know perfectly well that your lot is not on our news and harry's just like yeah that's all you know (laughs) oh burn son and then there's a brief moment of did you really just say that to me silence (laughs) Mm -hmm. and petunia's just like you nasty little liar what are all of those owls doing if they're not bringing you news Bitch, do I really need to go over this with all you again? Apparently he does because he has to sigh and say they're not bringing me news. But of course, the satchels of assholes don't believe him. Because why would they? They are satchels of assholes after all. But Vernon is like, we're not stupid, you know. And Harry's just like, yeah, well, that's news to me. Oh, (laughs) it's just, oh, my God. He just he has had it. He's done. He has snapped, and it's glorious, Mm -hmm. and we got bilked of all of this. Hard. There was so much there. There was so much there that could have made such an enthralling opening to a movie. Right. And to make it even better, this was a mic drop moment. Mm -hmm. He said, that's news to me, and just walks away. Mm -hmm. Ignores them, just walks away. Before they can call him back or anything. He just leaves them shocked. Like, oh my God, like this kid is talking back to us. This is bad. This is a problem. What do we do? What do we do? But Harry's gone. Right? He's just gone. He has blown out the flame on his flamethrower that he has used to deliver all those sick burns. And he's like, I'm out. I'm out. And in some place in his mind, he knows that he's in big trouble. Mm -hmm. He's going to pay for that. Yeah. But right now, he don't care. Harry don't give a fuck. Harry gives zero fucks. Precisely zero fucks. His fuck pond is all out of fucks. (laughs) 
lay thine eyes upon his fuck farm and see that his soil is barren. Yeah, he has way more pressing things to think about. He does not give a shit about the Dursleys right now. And you know what? Good on him. Right? It's about damn time. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's currently occupying his headspace right now is the fact that he recognized that cracking sound. It is the sound of someone apparating or disapparating. It is the same sound he remembered hearing whenever Dobby would appear or disappear. Mm-hmm. And that's his first thought is maybe Dobby's following him again. Yeah. And he looks around, but he can't see anything at all. And he's just like, Dobby probably couldn't become invisible to save his life. Yeah. Little does he know. <laughs> he's not that subtle. Dobby. <laughs> That's true. However, he's so starved for news, he's got to be like, oh, please let it be that little big-eyed bastard. Oh, I'm sure of it. Please. Tell me anything. That connection back to the magical world, it's lacking for him. He Mm -hmm. wants it. To the point that as he keeps walking, he's starting to think that he just imagined that sound being something magical, and he's falling back into that hopelessness of... I'm just disconnected from everything and that wasn't magic and I'm just getting my hopes up and everyone's going to die and I don't know what to do about it. Nobody will tell me anything. Maybe it just really was a car backfiring. Maybe it was. Stupid car. And at this point, we learn that pretty much all he's been doing all summer, this whole four weeks that he's been home, is waking up at 5 a.m. so he can pay the owl for the Daily Prophet, which he then reads the front page of and sees nothing about Voldemort and assumes, well, they're still keeping this shit hidden, so throwing that aside. Mm-hmm. He's been getting letters from Ron and Hermione, but they're all like, we can't tell you anything. Dumbledore made his promise. We're super busy. And he can tell that they're together and he assumes they're just together at the burrow. And he's like, why wasn't I invited, man? <laughs> yeah. Do I not get to come to see Mama Weasley at the burrow? I need a bear hug and I need all my things and I need all the information and the news and the... Why not me? Me, me, me. You guys, I'm the chosen one. Oh, wait, we don't know that yet. (laughs) We're getting there. (laughs) But the letters keep insisting that they'll fill him in when they see him. And he has no idea when that's going to be. So he's just angry at them. He's just angry. He's just angry in general, and you know what? They're the easiest ones to be angry at because they're not right there. Right. They can't fight back. But he's so angry, he actually threw away their birthday present to him. Aw. Never throw away a present, Harry. It was Honeyduke Sweets. Oh. But then after throwing that away, he had a pretty pitiful meal from the Dursleys and was like, I wish I had my candy. So his anger is not really serving him that well, though it is giving him excellent sass. That is true. So he keeps on walking. I think he has a goal in mind, but he's kind of aimlessly walking too. Like you do. And he turns the corner onto Magnolia Crescent and passes the narrow alleyway, which is where he first ever saw his dog father Mm -hmm. without knowing that he was his dog father at that point. At the time, was just a big, scary dog. And he finds himself thinking about how Sirius at least seemed to understand how frustrated Harry was feeling. Mm -hmm. Because his letters included words of caution and consolation. But then also a whole shit ton of no information. You would think if there was anything that Harry absolutely had to know, Sirius would tell him. Right. However, Harry has been alone all summer and that's not good enough. Right. For him. He has been alone all summer and full of hormones. Hormones and trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. That is a lethal combination. Yes. 
And no therapy in sight. What the fuck? The opposite of therapy living with the satchels of assholes. Exactly. So far, everything has been fairly new information. Mm -hmm. We're learning what's been going on his summer. There's been the little bit of a recap reminding us that he saw Cedric be murdered and Voldemort came back. Mm -hmm. And right now we're about to get a little bit more because as he's thinking about Sirius... We get a little bit of that visit to the Department of Backstory mm-hmm. because we read that Harry's largely followed his advice, which was mostly just him not tying his trunk to his broomstick and just flying off for the burrow. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be stupid, especially since nobody's there, although we haven't learned that yet. I say we don't know that yet. But he really thinks that he's been very good and is also annoyed that he keeps being told not to be rash by a man who served 12 years in the wizard prison. I mean, things were different back then, guy. It was the 80s. Yeah, but 12 years in the ban, he then escaped to commit the murder he'd been convicted for in the first place and gone on the run with a stolen hippogriff. Though, I noticed that Harry doesn't bother mentioning he was the one who stole the hippogriff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So teensy little bit of backstory there. Like we get a bit of a recap. Mm-hmm. Which considering in the previous book, they hardly mentioned that Sirius was still on the run. Like it was mentioned when Sirius was brought up, but they didn't bring up a whole lot of stuff about Sirius because he was basically forgotten. Right. And it totally becomes significant again in this book. So I can see why they'd refresh it. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we got that refresher in the movie as well. No, not at all. There's a moment where they kind of do, but we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. So he keeps on walking and he jumps over the park gate because it's later at night now and it's been closed for the Mm -hmm. evening. But apparently, fuck that. He just jumps over it and treks across the dried out grass and just sits on one of the swings and stares moodily at the ground because... That is his bread and butter right now. So that's what you do when you're 15 and pissed off. Yep. Staring moodily. Mm-hmm. Staring moodily, giving sass and saying everything in caps lock. I mean, that's basically what every Linkin Park album I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a little bit frustrated because now he has to find another new place to hide to listen to the news. Mm-hmm. He's going to still be going through his normal disturbed nights of sleep where he keeps alternating between his nightmares about Cedric And these weird dreams about long, dark corridors that either end in dead ends or locked doors. And this is a really significant detail. Mm -hmm. That it just seems like they maybe could have included him having that dream. Like, start the movie off. Yeah. They like to do that. Start the movie off on one of those dreams. Hell, last movie started off with one of his dreams. Right. Just let it fade into, like, Cedric's death recap into this like they could have done that easily yeah very easily and you know what they didn't and that shit's lazy and there actually is a moment with a dream a little bit later on that wasn't even this but we'll talk more about that when we get there i feel like we're going to be saying that a lot probably (laughs) he also constantly feels a prickling in his scar But now he doesn't even try to fool himself that anybody's going to care about that at all because it was always hurting because Voldemort was getting stronger. And now that he's back, everyone's going to be like, yeah, well, that's expected. Yeah. Of course it's hurting. He's back. What did you think was going to happen, guy? So he's just, you know, super pissed off and all he wants to do is scream and yell in fury. And you know what? He does a lot of that this book. Mm Mm-hmm. Caps Lock Harry. Caps Lock Harry. He earns that name, goddammit. 
Caps Lock, Harry, James Sass Potter. James Sass? James Sass. James Ass? <laughs> James Sass. There was a space there. I'm sure there was. Caps Lock, Harry, Sass, James Potter. Is that better? <laughs> sure. But all he can think about, he's just, you know, moping on the swing. And all he can think about is nobody would even know that Voldemort was back if it weren't for him. True. And he just feels like, I'm the one who alerted the world and nobody's listening to me. And now here I am just stuck at Little Whinging. It's been four weeks. I'm cut off from everything. I have no idea what's going on. Nobody's telling me anything. Nobody's showing me anything. Nobody's giving me anything. I live with satchels of assholes. I'm super angry. I keep having bad dreams. I'm not allowed to do magic and I just want to get out of here. It's definitely not helping the psychosis that is burrowing in that skull of his. That's for damn sure. It is not. And on top of that, aside from all of this frustration and anger, he is hurt. Mm -hmm. Because he feels like Dumbledore just forgot about him. Yeah. And he feels like his best friends are together without him. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got someone but him. Right. And he doesn't know how much longer he's going to have to keep behaving himself. Yeah. He doesn't know how much longer he's just going to be by himself. He has no idea. And that unknown, the anticipation of it all is go. just making it worse for him. So, like, that's just all constantly in his head. And he's bottling it up too much. And it just keeps exploding out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes at really inopportune moments. Oh, excessively. And we see a little bit of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Not it's nearly. Not nearly. No, not nearly what it should be and what we should see. It's barely like a modicum of barely of what we should be seeing because this boy has trauma coming out his wahoo, man. And again, hormones coming out the wahoo, self doubt coming out the wahoo. All everything's coming out as wahoo, man. And I gotta say. That'll drive the sanest person crazy. Yeah. Like, it's only a matter of time before he's sitting there, like, with push pins on a fucking cork board, running up the conspiracy theories to go through, like, well, Dumbledore said this, but then Dumbledore said that, but then everybody said no, and then this said this, and then this said... Until he's, like, in a basement, like, pulling his fucking hair out and losing his goddamn mind. I mean, he legitimately has PTSD. Yeah. You cannot expect a child... To be able to take all that by themselves. You just can't. We need help. Unless, of course, you know, they're Harry Potter. I mean, they've been through this much. Why not more? Right? Let's see how much we can pile on. Yeah. You know, to be honest, when I first read this book, because mind you, this was the first book that I had to wait for. Mm -hmm. And there was a longer gap between the fourth oh, book and the fifth book. There was a huge gap. This was my first time waiting for a book, mm -hmm. too. So when I finally got to start reading this book, I hated Harry. Mm -hmm. He was so angry and so sassy, which admittedly that was pretty entertaining. But there are times like some of the things that he says to his cousin that we'll talk about next week. And I'm just like, you are just a little shit. Yeah. He was so you're angry. You're kind of being a dick. Yeah. I'm like, you're an awful child. But the more I thought about it the more I was impressed at just how realistic of a depiction that was of a traumatized 15-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie. I have several students that are 
traumatized 15 year old boys and they are annoying as fuck yeah and they are super sassy and they can be awful and they can be dicks sometimes but now that i've dealt with that more and i understand it better now that we've grown up right the empathy for him is there and i'm like holy fuck this kid just needs help yeah and that's how i feel about my students like the kid just needed help yeah honestly first read through of order of the phoenix it was like holy fuck this kid's angry yeah like boy you need some melatonin and a good night to sleep because you just need to chill and now i'll read it and i'll just be like you need a hug right and then when you think about harry at least got away from this Mm -hmm. it was a rough year but in the end he genuinely realized that he had friends and people who cared about him who were there for him yeah and that helped a ton Mm -hmm. but how was harry's anger and awfulness honestly that much different than snape's when he was the same age Oh, look at the point making on Ellen. Uh, I hate to admit it because I'm not a Snape fan. I know he's... I'm just not a Snape fan. I'm just not. I understand most of your points about him and I see them for what they are. It's just, at the end of the day, he just... ah, I just don't like him. I mean, he's still a dick. He's still a dick, yes. But you putting it in that context does make it very interesting. Yeah. And I don't. I mean, you know me. I will never, ever, ever say Snape was a good teacher. No. Perhaps <laughs> educator. But I'm going to differentiate between those two. Because an educator is merely somebody who imparts information, whereas a teacher actually helps build people. Yeah. I think maybe he just shouldn't have been working at the lower educational level. Maybe, you know, university. And, you know, go teach some college courses, man. You'll probably like that a lot better. And certainly not with children that directly triggered him. Exactly. But he had no escape from everything that he did. And I feel like Harry could have easily gone down a very similar dark path, not joining up the Death Eaters because they killed his parents. Oh, obviously. But Snape didn't have anything like that to protect him from turning that dark. Yeah. Harry is lucky. Harry has that backing. They may not seem to be there for him right now, but they're there. And they were always looking out for him whether or not he knew it. Yeah. Whereas Snape never had that. He didn't have anybody looking out for him. No. So the first people who seemed like they were, yeah, I get what you're saying there. The first people who seemed like they had his back, sure. Fuck yeah. Okay, let's go kill some people. <laughs> yeah. And like that's why so many kids end up in gangs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so sad and it's scary, but it gives me sympathy for Snape. But this is something that occurred to me because I was so annoyed by Harry in this book. And then when I went back and I looked at it, I was just like, oh, like, I have this sympathy for him now because of everything that he went through. Oh, I can apply that to a lot of characters. You can apply that to Snape. You can apply that to Malfoy. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting how much depth many of these characters received. Yeah. The start of this story is what really shifted that perspective for me. Mm hmm. And the movie really could have used that. Yeah. And it's something that I think we're going to end up talking about a lot as we go through. Aside from the disorder of the Phoenix. <laughs> there's so much out of order, guys. There's so much left out. And there's so much out of order. This is going to be a really difficult one to organize. It's organized now. It's. But we're literally going to have to talk about the movie out of order in some places. Yeah. And it's going to be very awkward. <laughs> yeah. It actually took me six hours to line up the whole movie to the book. I'm surprised you got it done that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I 
started to have a go at it when I was really losing my fucking cool with <laughs> with Goblet <laughs> at the end there. And I was like, you know what? I just need to watch something different for five fucking minutes. And I switched to order and I was like, nope, you know what? I hate Goblet. I'm going back to that. Oh, I was sending video messages. This is also part of the reason why it took me so long because I kept having to pause it and send a video message to the patron <laughs> chat group because you were like, COVID I was, asleep like yeah you were incommunicado at the time so I was just sending video messages to the group and the one that hit me the most which we will end up talking about a ton is when I realized that Rita Skeeter is not in this movie at all because you thought she was I thought you? she was my brain <laughs> literally cast her the actress in the role and created an entire scene that never happened in the movie. Like, it's not even a deleted scene. She's just not there. And my brain believes that she was. And I send them this message, but I was just like, guys, I have a confession to make. Like, I skip this movie a lot when I'm doing rewatches of it. So I don't remember it as clearly as some of the other ones, but is Rita Skeeter not in this film? I remember you making mention of like, oh yeah, this was before the Rita Skeeter thing. And I remember kind of going, not in the movie, it's not. But then I was just like, I'm just going to let her have her thing because nope. we'll, we'll get there eventually. But oh, I legitimately believed she was in the movie. I, I didn't think like, it was a big role, but I thought she was there. I was like, no, there, no Rita Skeeter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are off to a rolling start. We really are. But I think that despite all of the disorder of the Phoenix, it is going to give us so much to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. I'm interested to see how we make sense of all of it. Yeah. I know we will because that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> but I am so intrigued as to how this is all going to make sense eventually to us. And we'll get it as we get it, you know? Yeah. It's about all we can do. Yeah. Obviously, since there are no movie scenes for this section... There are no actors. There are no actors. So we will just move on to our Potter Ponderings. Mm -hmm. We have two to start the book off, right? Sure do. First one is, what are your thoughts on all of the first half of chapter one being left out of the movie? You've heard ours. So let's hear yours. The whole episode worth of it. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is, we really want to know what your thoughts are about Harry being able to shock Vernon off of him because that's how I read that. Mm -hmm. That he actually did a little bit of magic to make him unchokable in that moment. Yeah. It was almost like a wizarding survival instinct. He didn't have control over it. Right. It just happened. Like how Neville fell out the window and bounced. Yeah, exactly. So does that count as doing magic? Like would the trace pick that up? What yeah. are your thoughts on that? We want to hear it. Find the posts on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or... Call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. We really, really look forward to reading and hearing them. And for fun, we're going to start doing our Potter Ponderings on TikTok. So you can actually stitch your response with us. So make sure you start following us on TikTok at Just Keep Rolling and give us some Potter Pondering stitches. Mm-hmm. Like all the cool kids are doing now. Except for us, apparently. I'll say I, I, I tried. We're trying. We have a couple of videos up right now, and we're hoping to increase that because TikTok is a fun little black hole. <laughs> but this will bring us to our sorting hat story, which is from Stepanka. 
And I really hope I said that right. I wanted to give it a shot. She sent us this email with her sorting hat story, and she said that her name is Stepanka, and the equivalent to that name is Stephanie, so maybe that would be easier for us to pronounce. But I really wanted to try, so I hope I did it justice. But here's her sorting hat story. She writes, Harry Potter came to Czech Republic when I was in year three at primary school, approximately age of 10. I didn't really want to read it because one of my family friends read the book and I refused to be like her. But the resistance didn't last long and I fell in love with the books and films. My father, with whom I have a bad relationship now, took me to the films and read each book. I loved the whole series. I remember that I was able to read one book in a weekend. It's also fair to notice our books had been translated and some names have been changed. Example, Hogwarts was translated to Bradavice, which equals wart, or Dumbledore was Broomball, which is crooning or muttering. Sure. I don't know that I pronounced either of those properly, but that was me doing my best. <laughs> and she did share an article with us, which we're going to post on our Facebook page as well, because it's a pretty neat article about the translations. She also said a few years ago, my friend asked me if I would go to the Harry Potter Festival with her. I joined and I had a great day. To prepare for the event, she pushed me to do the test and I turned up as a Ravenclaw. Because of the film, I wanted to be Gryffindor, but I'm not brave at all. Later, I did the test for my boyfriend, and he is Hufflepuff. He loves badgers. My wand is Rowan Wood with a phoenix feather core, 14 and a half inches, and quite bendy flexibility. We don't measure in inches, so I googled, and it's over 36 centimeters long, which is so big. My Patronus is a gray squirrel. Now I reread the books, and they are awesome. I have to mention I didn't reread any book in my life except Harry Potter books. I read them when I feel down or before bedtime. I listen to your podcast to enjoy the Harry Potter world and listen to the English language. My boyfriend finds you a bit too naughty, but we recently saw a film with Gary Oldman and he did your expression, which made me laugh. Crazy Gary Oldman! Thank you for your podcast, and I hope you will be happy to have a listener slash listeners from Central Europe. We are super happy. Super happy. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing your sorting hat story with us, Stefanka. It is amazing to know that we have listeners from Central Europe. I'm amazed that we have people listening that aren't my family, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, I get amazed and excited anytime I hear anyone yeah. listening to us. Podbean shows us our downloads, and we can see that there are people out in the world listening to us but there is nothing like actually hearing from you mm -hmm. i love it so much it, oh honestly it might be my favorite part about doing this podcast the people that it's brought us in contact with what did I we start know. out and i love it it's incredible to get to read your sorting hat story and get to know you a little bit and also thank you for the review your sticker is in the mail and maybe by the time this episode comes out you'll even have it that would be wonderful and it was an adorable review, by the way. We loved reading it. Of course, we had to translate it. But that was even better. That made it awesome. I know. <laughs> and if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. And as always, you can also message it to us over social media. We do also want to say that if you are in another country and you left us a review, we don't always get to see them. Mm -hmm. There's something called Chartable that will occasionally share them with us. 
That's how we were able to see Stepankas. But there might be ones out there that we haven't seen. So if you do review us, take a screenshot of it and email it to us. Because yes. we want to send out stickers. I have a ton of them. And we just want to know what you guys think. We, right. we really just want to read reviews. I... Validate us. Yes. <laughs> love us. Love us more, please. Or honestly, even if you have some constructive criticism for us, we try to take that kind of thing to heart. We got a comment from somebody one time where we'd made a comment in an episode that kind of came across like we were making fun of homeless people. And it was not our intention at all. But it made us realize that some of the things we say can come across wrong. Yeah. It did make us watch and realize... And have more empathy for things that we might not think about otherwise. Right. And we wouldn't have gotten that without that review. Yeah. Not only do your reviews validate us, they can help us be better. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we want to always be. Yes. We're always striving to do better and to be better. And you guys are a huge part of that. So thank you. <laughs> and keep them coming. Yay. <laughs> That'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is... What is Dudley's nickname from his friends that Harry uses to get his cousin's attention while they are walking home? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag, always will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of chapter one, Dudley Demented, and some actual corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.